in uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, uh, there's a familiar story. Jesus just finishes performing one of the greatest miracles just ever. He takes some fish and some loaves, he multiplies it, feeds all of these people, it's, it's insane. And, and then Jesus is, is getting ready to start sending everybody home and he, he, he tells his disciples specifically to go do something and, and this, is, this is where this story takes place. In verse 22, it says immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke up to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God. The title of my message today is Always Only Jesus always only Jesus my prayer as we jump into this story is that you would be awakened to the greatness and the power that's in Jesus and I know we're in church so you're like dude we already know that like I already know the answer in church is just Jesus just say Jesus and no one will tell you just Jesus we know that he's great he's powerful nothing's impossible for Jesus but what I've learned in my life is there's a big difference between believing that in my head and believing that in my heart. And sometimes in life there's seasons where like you really, really believe that like right here. But then there's other seasons in life where you just kind of like know that right here. You know, I love this story because I feel like there's so many similarities in what we just read uh, to our lives, specifically to our spiritual journey with God. Your spiritual journey is important because you are a spirit. You don't just live in a body, you are a spirit being. That's why you can take care of everything on the outside but still feel lost on the inside because you're a spirit. And, and I feel like as it pertains to our spiritual journey or how it begins or maybe where you're at today, there's so many similarities to, to Peter. You know, Peter, he starts off in trouble. He's lost. He's scared. And what do we do when we're lost and scared? We, we cry out to Jesus, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, if, if, if you're not there, I can't do it. Jesus, I need you. There's desperation in, in Peter's voice in the midst of this trouble. And he's crying out to Jesus. 
to his amazement, it is. It's, it's Jesus. And he's like, Peter, come. And Peter's so excited as he's fixated on Jesus. And he steps out of the boat. And he starts to walk on water. Peter's experiencing victory. He's experiencing success. Yes, there's wind and there's waves and life's not perfect, but Peter has this peace that surpasses understanding. I can't help but remind myself of my life. Andrew, you're lost, you're in trouble, and what do we do? Jesus, I need you. I need your help, God. And to our amazement, God says, I'm here to help you, and life starts to get better. Your marriage starts to look a little better. Your, your kids start acting a little bit better. Things seem to be going well. Life isn't perfect, but deep down here, you're like, we're going to be okay. You're coming to church. It's awesome. Peter is experiencing true success. But all of a sudden, Peter, he gets distracted. And he goes from walking on the water to, to sinking. He starts to sink and he's going down under. And it's, it's almost like, why did I even get started on this journey if I knew it was gonna end like this? And I think about our journey, we're experiencing great success and then all of a sudden it's just like, man, life is not fun. I'm not happy anymore. I just can't seem to get ahead. I feel like I'm running a million miles an hour and getting nowhere and we're sinking just like Peter was sinking. And, you know, for church people, when we don't have someone to blame for why we're sinking, we just kind of blame the devil. <laughs> you know, the devil, man, he's just after me. You know, I start going to church at the devil. He's going to come get me. You know, he's just after me. I must be doing something right. I'm just sinking. And, and I'm not saying that the devil is not behind some of the mess that we experience because I believe he absolutely is. But the devil is not behind every single problem. As Peter was sinking, I don't necessarily think there was like a water demon pulling him down. I think one of the reasons why Peter began to sink, and we see it in the text, is for a very similar reason we begin to sink in life. And I believe this is the reason. I believe that we begin to fixate on our walk to God rather than our walk with God. I'm just going to say that one more time. I believe one of the reasons why life is no longer fun like it was at the start, why you feel like throwing in the towel, I think what happens on our spiritual journey is we no longer become fixated on Jesus. We just become fixated on our water walking skills. Peter was okay as long as Jesus was the focus. But how many of you know once you get started on a journey and you figure out this Jesus thing, it's like, hey, Jesus, I'll leave that for the youth group. I've learned how to walk in life. And it won't be long that you will find yourself sinking in life. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, why did you doubt me? 
Peter, why wasn't I enough? If Peter doubted Jesus, it meant he put his trust somewhere else. Peter had no idea that his success was not because he was a good water walker. His success was because he was fixated on Jesus. What's, what's the difference? What's the difference in walking to God and walking with God? It looks a lot alike. It sounds a lot the same, Andrew. When I'm focused on my walk to God, it's all about performance. I live a life focused on crossing T's and dotting I's. When I live a life fixated on walking with God, it's about presence. I'm just well aware that I needed you on step 67 the same way I needed you when I was on the boat. Why do we start to sink, especially as we get older? Why am I still sinking? Because I'm fixated on the wrong thing. Peter was fixated on his walk to God, no longer fixated on his walk with God, and Peter begins to sink. He starts to sink. You know, when I start sinking in life, when I get consumed with my walk and no longer consumed with him, and I've I realized just in my own life and being around church and being around a lot of church people, your walk to God and your walk with God look a lot alike from the surface. When I'm standing up here, if you're walking to God and that's what you're focused on or you're walking with God, it looks a lot the same. You sound the part, you look the part, you got the Jesus shirt on, awesome. That's, that's incredible. But I've had to learn in my life, Andrew, your success really is figuring out where you're at and making the right moves from there. Andrew, where's your heart at right now? Is it really dependent on Jesus the way you were dependent when you were 18 years old and knew you were no match for life? Is it that dependent, Andrew, or are you a little bit more professional now? Where, where are you? Because if you don't need me, then I can't help you. And I'm just trying to save somebody from sinking in this place today. You know, the other day, the other day I was driving my car and my, my, my tires all looked completely normal, but on the dash cam, it was clear that one tire was lower than the rest. And I believe there's some indicators, I call them mentalities, that will help you today to see if you're fixated on your walk with God, relationship, presence, or if you're fixated on your walk to God, performance. This first mentality, as I look at the story, I'm not saying Peter had this mentality, but if we put ourselves in the shoes of Peter, there'd be a good possibility we would have this, this mentality. And I know it's, it's funny because we read the Bible and we always like, I'm guilty of this. Like, I would never do that. I would have been like, I would have been like the guy standing up, not bowing down, really? It's, it's like calling plays for your favorite football team from your couch. Like we always think we, I was talking to my, like Rob, I, I, Rob played for the Steelers for like seven years. And, and, and for me watching forever, I'm like telling him, why don't you guys just do this? Why don't they call this play? Why don't they do? And he's like, you'll never understand. You're not on the field. And, and I think a lot of times when we read the Bible, we like think we're going to, we would do this. And no, 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 no. If we put ourselves in the shoes or the flip-flops of Peter, 
I think that this mentality might creep in, and if it does creep in and it registers with you, there is a good chance you're more focused on your walk to God. What's that first mentality? It's the I earned it mentality. The I earned it mentality. I earned it. I mean, think about this. I'm thinking about it. I just, like, I sunk, yes, but I also walked on water. And when I got back on the boat, the Bible says that everybody bowed down and worshiped, not Peter, but Jesus. I'm just saying. As I got back in the boat, I'd be expecting a little fist pump, a little high five. Like, hey, you're going to post that picture and not give me credit for it? Like, if you're going to build a statue on the shore of Jesus walking on water, you better not forget who else was there. I earned it too. It's an I earned it mentality. And I know what you're thinking. I don't have an I earned it mentality. I know. But how does it make you feel when the person sitting next to you gets blessed before you do? How does it make you feel when the person that just showed up to the party is receiving blessings from God and you've been here for 30 years and nothing's changed? There's this thing on the inside that says, hold up, wait a minute, God, I earned it. God, I've been in faith for 15 years and they showed up to one service and got healed. What you're really trying to say is, God, where's mine? I, I earned it. And this I earned it mentality might be an indicator that you're fixated on your walk to God and not your walk with God. I earned it. I earned it. Man, this is happening for them. I should be excited. I'm next. But no. Deep down inside of us, you're wondering why God still didn't do it for you. You know, the danger to this is that you can't earn anything from God. Faith receives it. But I can hear that person online, not in the room, saying, yeah, Mr. Preacher, but do you know what James said, the brother of Jesus? He said, faith without works is dead. And that's true. But works without faith is just as dead. And for some of us, we have gotten way too spiritually smart for our own good. We treat the Bible like a formula. If I do this and do this and I do this, where is it at, God? That's called works. So are works bad? No. But you have to have your priorities in line. You know, when Peter stepped out of the boat, he didn't have a verse that said he was going to make it to the other side. He couldn't say, hey, what does Matthew chapter 14 say? Guys, it was being written that moment. Peter had to put a trust in who Jesus was. And I'm just trying to let someone know, I'm not dogging your Bible, you need it. But don't you forget the author of that word. I earned it. I earned it. Some of you will be contending for your miracle for another 30 years if you don't break this mentality. I don't even want to dare to go there, but for some, some of you, you need to put your Bible verses away for like 10 minutes and go to the room and say, God, I need you. I, I remember this moment in my life. It was so tough. I've shared this story a dozen amount of times. I had two pages of Bible verses for my daughter who was battling some physical things in the hospital. And nothing was changing. It was getting worse. 
And I realized, Andrew, all you're really trying to do is twist God's arm even more. And I felt in my spirit to leave my verses in my room and just go and worship God. But the religiousness in me said, that can't be God. I put it down and I cried out to God. I said, God, I just need you. God, I'm just a human. God, I'm weak and I need you. And I'm telling you, that was the moment everything changed. But walking to God and walking with God, they look so the same. This next mentality, the second one, it's really just a byproduct of the first one. But for some of you that still don't think you have that mentality, maybe this one you do. <clears throat> I know this is kind of tough, but man, I'm telling you, it's gonna, it's gonna save you. It's gonna save, it's gonna make life fun again for you. You don't need your circumstance to change for you to experience joy and peace. Some of you are like, when it changed, no. There's, there's been some dark days that I have had and some days that have not been dark. But in some of those dark days, me and my wife, man, we were just in tune. We were like, okay, we were good. It wasn't about an outcome. It was about our God. And there was this peace. So don't believe the lie that you have to wait for your miracle to happen before you can get happy. Faith is happy today. So mentality number two. And I know you don't have this mentality. So this is the mentality for the person sitting next to you. And th this mentality, uh, actually really quick, just before we, we go from, 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 number, from number one, the I earned it mentality, just to bring some God perspective. In Matthew chapter seven, verse 22 through 23, it says this, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and we perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. You know, we read this verse, and it's a little bit intimidating for most of us because I'm thinking, I'm not doing any of those things, and that guy is doing all of those things, and God's like, I still, you ain't making it to hell. I don't know you. But I don't believe that God was setting this bar so high to make this guy aim even higher. I believe God was trying to let this man know or let the people know that you can't earn a thing, man. I'm more concerned about knowing you than what you can do for me is what God is saying. So if your natural notion is to start adding more to your to-do list, to do more for, he's like, you got it twisted, man. Even if you are perfect, you still need me. Even if everything is dandy, you still need a savior. Or, Ephesians chapter two, verse eight through nine, it says this, God saved you by his grace when you believed God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this it is a gift from God salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so none of us can boast about it God saved you with his grace I heard a pastor once say it like this the grace that saved you is the grace that sustains you you still need Jesus today as much as you did when you were way back in the boat. Mentality number, number two. Got 10 minutes. This mentality, I call it the I'm better than you mentality. The I'm better than you. Again, putting ourselves back in the flip-flops of Peter. The man just walked on some water. Pretty awesome 
hadn't been done at that point, from what I know. Maybe it has, I don't know. Gets back on the boat and, like, I'm not gonna lie. If I was back on the boat and we're making our way back to shore, there would be like a little pep in my step. Like, I'd be looking at the other disciples, like, you low-level land walkers. Oh, you guys like long walks on the beach? I like long walks on the Sea of Galilee. I'm just saying, if we were Peter, we probably would have a little different pep to our step. Like, I'm better than you. I'm better than you. Now, I know what you're saying, man. I'd never in my life would say I'm better than anybody else. But how do you treat people that don't walk like you walk? What do you think about people that don't look like you look? What's your view of the community that doesn't talk like you talk? I'm just saying. You know what's interesting, man? And let me just be straight. I didn't ask to be a pastor. God called me to do this, so he knew what he was getting. He knew he was getting someone that had no business being a pastor, but apparently, so there's still some parts of me that like, ah, but I'm trying to be professional. Just kidding. But, like, I'm not saying this church, but just some people in church have become really good at compartmentalizing sin. Like, just, just by, like, and just if you're brave enough, if you've stretched the truth this month, just stretch the truth this month. Would you raise your hand if you stretch the truth this month? Just stretch just a little bit. Like someone asked me how much I weighed, I lied. I didn't need to. I lied. Okay. Raise it up. Be, be bold about it. Okay. I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty pathetic. We're only day two in the month? Wow. Sheesh. Got a lot of hands that went up today. Got a lying church. But you know what's interesting? You know what's interesting? Is no one in the lobby has ever come and said, hey, pastor. When are you going to get up there and tell people about lying? Hey, pastor, when are you going to do a series on, on lying? But I, have a lot of, I do have a lot of people that say, hey, pastor, when are you going to get up there and tell people that God doesn't like same-sex marriage? Uh -oh. Woo. Uh -oh. Got silent. Yeah. Uh -oh. I'm just saying, we compartmentalize things really, really good. What are you saying? Are you condoning a lifestyle? No, I'm just telling you that that lifestyle and a liar both need Jesus the same. So just because theirs is more visible doesn't necessarily mean that you're any better than them. I just had to, I just, just saying. I'm just saying. Good stuff. I may lose my job for this, but you know one thing that I do think God appreciates about gay people? They don't pretend. And there's some church people that in their closet have greed. In their closet are backstabbers. In their closet are gossipers. And oh, you look the part. You would be shocked at who God will use. But I'll tell you who he can't use, a pretender. I'll tell you who he can't use, someone that doesn't need a savior. I'm just saying today, if I was Peter, there would have been a temptation to think I'm better, but I'm no better. I am still saved by the same grace the person next to me is. And, and you know, it's, it's real interesting. It's real interesting, man. Because as pastors, we do have a responsibility to pastor people to preach what the Word says. But when I'm spending really, really close time with God, 
I become less judgmental and more compassionate. When I'm really focused on my walk with God and not my walk to God, man, I become really compassionate. I, I, I see the potential in people. I, I see what God could do in their life. I, I don't sit there. Well, they need to know. Tell them. Tell them to repent. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. We're trying to get people to change on the outside without letting them change on the inside. And I don't have the power to transform a heart, but Jesus does. Je Jesus does. They got quiet there for a second, huh? That's awesome. So good. <laughs> Pastor, you can come fix this after. Like, I'm not bashing anything. Please understand, I believe the Word of God. I believe the Word of God. But I know that I am no match to be a success without the help of God. There's something I was going to say and I totally forgot. Am I getting that old? This is what Pastor Randy says, it'll make its way around. And <clears throat> we need, we, we all need Jesus. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. We all need Jesus. I'm really trying my hardest to remember what I was going to say. <clears throat> but it's okay. It's okay. <clears throat> Man, if we just had faith in Jesus to do the miraculous like they did back then. I don't care how lost your loved ones are. You know, you know why I'm so excited about Easter and by you inviting everybody you know? Even people that you think are, are so far from God and will never change. There were people in the Bible that would never see, could never walk. They didn't have the ability. And there's a lot of people out there that don't have the ability, to, but there was something about Jesus that even when it seemed impossible for a person, when they got in the presence of Jesus, all of a sudden limitations were off. Hearts were changed. Hearts we're transformed. So I know what you're thinking. What do we do? Like, do we just like, just love God and not, no, no, you gotta be focused on God. You, you have to pursue God. God, I need you. I need you. The more time you spend with God, like no strings attached, God, I just need you. That, that sense of humility, grace comes. Grace comes to succeed. Don't get fixated on your walk. Focus on the one that can give you grace for your walk. You, 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 you'll find out, man. I was like the biggest thief ever. I, I loved to steal before I gave my life to God. I was just, I was, literally, I was addicted to stealing. Literally. I don't care if you were family, I'll rob your house. I'm just saying. I'd go to the store, I wouldn't need anything. I'd go with my mom to take something back, but I was determined to come out with a lot of stuff. She, my mom was my getaway car and she didn't even know. I'm like, mom, can you pick me up on this side of right now? And I'm running. I think she's watching. I think she's in Mexico right now. So if you are, I love you, mom. <clears throat> and you know, when I really encountered God at a youth camp, I didn't even like have to go back and try to like get my life right. 
there was something in my nature that began to shift. Don't get focused on trying to cross T's and dot I's. Let God change the nature of you from the inside out and watch you become the man you're called to be, the husband you're called to be, the wife you're called to be, and life becomes fun. So then what do we do, Andrew? What do we do? See, Jesus gets back on to land and he encounters this big group of people that that he had already fed and miracles were happening and now he's stormed again. Remember, he performed a big miracle, gets in the boat, gets back on land and, and everyone's there now like, Jesus, let's talk about the miracles you did. And, and someone in the crowd says this in, in John chapter six, verse 28 through 29. I think this is our focus today. It says this, they replied, we want to perform God's work too. What should we do? Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Believe in the one he has sent. What do I need to do? What do I need to do? I gotta go, I got a lot to fix. I gotta go clean myself. No. Believe in the one he has sent. There's something in our human nature that wants to work for it. God doesn't need you to work for anything. You are a son. You are a daughter of the Most High God. God sent Jesus to die on a cross for you. Not to try harder, but for you to know God more. I want to invite you to stand in this place today. and I just think for some of us, we're just a little adjustment away. We're just a small adjustment away. You, you might feel like you're sinking today. You might feel like life is great today. Wherever you find yourself today, there's always one one winning move. And that's just surrendering yourself to Jesus. Like I can promise you, I am so far from perfect. So far, ask my wife, so far from perfect. But the one thing that I remind myself every single day, I always take a moment to say, God, It's me, like it's me, not Pastor Andrew, not been going to church now for 15 years. God, it's it's me, the same guy you called at some youth camp. God, I need you today. God, I need you today. God, I'll buckle under the pressure, God. God, I will fail, God. I need you today. You know what he does? He gives me grace. He gives me grace. And and for some of you, you don't need to take another nap to get rest. You just need that grace. And the Bible says that God gives that grace to humble people. God gives that grace to people that need him. And I'm going to have them sing something. Tav, you can come back up and sing something. And, And just in this moment, even if it's just for 30 seconds... Before your mind starts racing on all the things you need to do, could we just say, God, I need you? God, I need you today. The reason why Peter tasted success for that moment was because he was fixated on Jesus. And I believe in this moment, we can just do the same thing. God, I fixate my attention on you. 
God, today we just thank you for Jesus. Jesus, you are our Savior. Jesus, thank you for all that you did. Jesus, thank you for restoring our relationship with God. Jesus, today we not only say thank you, but we just say we still need you. We need you in this place today. Would you just say that to him in your own words? Jesus, I need you. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 